Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Hey, y'all. H.P. Lovecraft said, The oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. Well, you don't have to fear this episode of RDTN because the guys review Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu and Mansions of Madness 2nd Edition. Wait, you played Reign of Cthulhu without me? I hope the fear of Azathoth drives you insane. What's happening, peeps? Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. This is episode 104. Rock you like a hurricane. Threw you a curveball there, Marty. No, I thought this was supposed to be called something else, but this really makes good sense because we just went through a hurricane here. Yes, we did. And by the way, that was Marty. I changed up everything. This We're just, we're flying by the seat of our pants. We're a bunch of flying squirrels around here tonight. So we had a hurricane over the weekend. Tony, you were supposed to go to the ball game. Did you go? I sure do i will post some pictures of me and my wife i have never been so wet oh my gosh that was incredible why would you play four acc football games during a hurricane well because it looked awesome so i was in raleigh too but i wasn't able to go to the game but i was in the storm uh out there with you i just wasn't standing in the rain but i watched some of the game from the hotel room and it's like Wow, you brave souls. But what was so awesome was seeing all the students out there with their shirts off. I saw some guys in three-piece suits, which just looked hilarious. Hey, but we got the win. It was an exciting game. It was so much fun just watching them slide and and do everything. If they had been in the pros where you have to, you know, touch someone to make them down, our quarterback could have gained another 50 yards. (laughs) It was so interesting watching this because, uh, yeah, like you said, in the college, as soon as your butt hits the ground, you're down. Well, there was so much sliding. They were having a tough time determining where to spot the ball because once you hit the ground, you slid another five yards. Oh, yeah. And now I'll admit, Don and I, we tried to go to our seats. We were at the um, near the end zone. However, we were in the end zone where it was blowing. So we would sit there and we couldn't see because the wind was blowing the rain in our faces. So we got up and we said, enough of this. And we went and stood underneath the overhang behind the students. And that was great. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that because the students are so much fun and you have a son there. So you understand what I'm saying. Yes, I do. But you know, fun to, uh, it's easy to make light of the situation, but there were, you know, a lot of people still dealing with a lot of issues with Hurricane Matthew, especially on the coast. And uh, we just hope that everything gets back to normal. We're still dealing with floods here out on the coast and uh, some people lost their lives. So it's, you know, we're just making light of the situation, but it was a pretty serious uh, storm that came through here. And we just hope everybody's going to be okay. Prayers are with everybody on that because it is. It was a huge, the rivers are cresting and, and that's the scary part. Those rising waters can come very, very fast. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Hey, you know that last episode where we talked about miniatures? We came out with that episode a couple days too early. Yes, we did. Because Steamforge Games just announced their two-player starter box, which looks absolutely incredible for getting into this game. Tony, have you seen this? It's two full teams, a game board, tokens, pre-assembled miniatures, 
70 bucks out the door. You got everything you need to play this game. That is the way you want to get into Guild Ball if you want to play it. Yeah, I did see it. Matter of fact, I posted it over in our Guild that they had announced that. That was amazing that they did that. And I think it was because of our show, Marty. They said, we need to throw something together. (laughs) In in a matter of just a couple (laughs) days, they threw all together just for us. But what's so great about this is I know people are still intimidated about putting the miniatures together. No worries. Everything is put together. You open the box, you punch out some tokens, you learn the rules, you play the game. Really, if this is a game you think that might you might be interesting, for only $70, you can get in. And Tony, if we were ever thought about pursuing this game even further, I'll consider getting it because it has two teams that we don't have. They're full teams on either side. You and I got the starter boxes, which only had three uh, players on each side. Yeah, you can't beat that. But speaking of miniatures... And we're going to talk about this game later in the show, um, Mansions of Madness, right? We're going to talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. Do, am I reading the show notes correct? Okay, uh, You are correct. We will be doing a five-minute initiative, one of our reviews for Mansions of Madness. Okay, rant. Putting the monsters on those bases. Brutal. That sucked. Oh, my gosh. Brutal. The little wingy flying thing that's supposed to go on a medium-sized base. I forget the name of it. The holes aren't big enough. I'm going to have to get out the Dremel. I'm going to have to figure out something. I don't want to glue them down. Did you glue yours down? I glued everything down. I I don't want to do that. You might as well. There's no need not to glue them down because they'll stay on their bases. The little pieces of cardboard that has all the information about the uh, monster that slides into the base stays there too. Nothing is going to be taken apart. So go ahead and glue it down. I'm going to slide out some of those cards just so I can sand down some of the holes so you can see the uh, the numbers pretty well. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to rant a little bit about their components here for for the price of that game let me say cmon ffg you boys need to go take some lessons right now wait a minute you're saying that ffg needs to take lessons from cmon if that's not what i said yes that's what i meant (laughs) (laughs) i'm not really sure what you said you went cmon ffg take lessons ffg take lessons from cmon i mean for a hundred dollars You've got to be kidding me. It's hard to read the numbers. I'm like, oh, good gosh, some of it's covered up. I'm going to have to, you know, shape this out a little bit. And yep. I will do that. And that's fine. And then I'm like, okay. And then I'm going to have to dip the sea serpent big guy in some hot water because his wings are folded up underneath his belly. <laughs> I mean, you come your, on. Your star spawns, the big dudes are, are yeah. all warped. Yeah, they're all warped. Well, I mean, it's like he's wrapped his wings around him. Well, that's a cool effect if that's what it's supposed to be. But no, he's supposed to have his wings spread out, um, menacing to the investigators as they come. But no, he's all wrapped up. He's all cuddled up. He's all hunkered down. He's like, oh, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. And that's exactly what he looks like. Oh, my gosh. Give me a break. I cannot argue with you on this point because it's true. And you aren't the first person to make that statement. Uh, the, the miniatures are are lacking, especially on the assembly part. And it takes a while uh, to shave all the little pegs down on the bottom to get them to fit in the holes. And then I glue them down. And then you got to make sure that once the peg goes in the hole, if the card's supposed to go over it, you got to shave down the peg again so the card will easily slide into place. Right. So I'm going to put them, I was putting them together. I'm like, this is just fruitless. I might as well not even do this. And brings me to another bone to pick with someone who I greatly admire and love. And he's a good friend of ours, Rodney Smith. Uh And his little video with his happy self. And that setup is complete. No, it's not, Rodney. You completely (laughs) glossed over this. How dare you do a disservice to your watchers? You should have warned them that putting these monsters on that base is going to take you a good hour before you can play this game. But no, 
you glossed right over that and said, hey, <laughs> now setup is complete. And your happy Canadian self. Oh, oh, ooh, I, I have a good mind to take a boat up there. <laughs> so, were, you happen, were you watching the video as you assembled the pieces? Because that would be a funny sight. That would be hilarious. No, he probably farmed it out to Pep. No, no, I'm saying, were you watching the video as you had to assemble your pieces as he's so cheery and about how it is so easy to set up? Well, I was, yeah, I was watching the video and I said, oh crap, I got to put those stupid monsters together. And then I start putting it together. I'm like, oh, this ain't right. This is not right. I don't like this. Well, good. Then you just saved us some of our five minutes because then you won't have to rant on the components because you've already done it. You can just already take a mark off or two for the components without having to go into detail. Well, I knew if I started to rant on the components in the five minutes, that would be a full five minutes. So I'm not even <laughs> going to go there. But uh, and I know you dogged me on strike, and yes, hopefully by now R- Rodney has received his special gift. But I will say this. I am so glad you got to play Quicks. Wait a minute, a wait a minute. What special gift? You know, I sent him something, and I'm waiting for him to get it, and then I'm going to release a video I shot. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, I know you sent something, but so you don't want to share the details of what it was yet? No, not yet, because I don't know if I don't know if it's going to get lost as it tries to make it to the Great White North or not. But if it does, then I'm going to release a video. So, guys, be sure to check out our YouTube channel where you have just started um, releasing some of your full Throat Punch Lunch episodes, correct? Yeah, that's correct. What I've been doing is is pulling out my segment of Throat Punch Lunch and releasing it as individual episodes on our YouTube channel. And I'll do two of those a week until I'm called up. And then at that point, after the new Throat Punch Lunch comes out, I'll immediately turn around and release it to our YouTube channel. So if you just want to watch my little segments there, and they're anywhere from three to four minutes long, they're pretty short, uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Roll Dice Take Names and uh, catch them all there. Yeah, so after a year and a half, my video will be out there hopefully as well. It's not going to be as pretty and as polished as Marty's, but y'all know what you're getting with me. So that's all there is. So, but quicks, you yes. enjoyed quicks. Uh, yeah. So the reason why I got quicks was because as we were in Raleigh for a tournament for my son, and here's the funny story. So, uh, I've been to many, many sports tournaments for all my boys for the first time ever. I attended a esports tournament for Travis who decided to go and compete in street fighter five. So we go to this tournament, and it's really cool, Tony. I mean, it's like a convention for street fighters. So they had this huge ballroom inside of a hotel, and all these TVs set up, and they, they play against each other. So we're sitting outside waiting, and I'm like, why didn't I bring any games? I brought zero games. Nothing. Vanessa and I and, and Adam were just sitting there looking at each other and going, I cannot believe I did. I could have brought Mansions of Madness, and we'd had all day to play that game and didn't. So we said, let's just go out somewhere and get some games. So we got in the car. We found the closest target. We head out to Target. We get there. Because of the hurricane, the entire shopping center is out of power. Shut down. Nothing there. Great. Where else can I go? So we found a Walmart, and we started traveling towards the Walmart in the pouring rain. Sheets of rain coming down. Power out. The signals are all out, so the intersections are insane in, in in Raleigh. We finally get to Walmart, and they got nothing but poop there, Tony. It's Monopoly and the Connect Fours. The only thing I found that was anywhere close to a decent game was Quicks. And I heard people talk about this game. I said, all right, let's give this game a shot. This little $9, $10 dice game where you're rolling dice and trying to fill out little numbers on a card as a, as a way to score points. Uh, we played that game like three times and 
we all really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. It's a great game. You know, I have it. I have quicks deluxe. I'll bring that over and let you play that too, where you reverse it. And you know how you have the color rows, the red, the, the yellow, the green, the blue, where they intermix the red, the yellow, the green, and the blue. So not all of them are on the same row that takes it to the next level. Quicks deluxe, bigger dice for our arthritic hands so we can roll them easier. <laughs> And it's just, I enjoy Quicks and Quinto is just as good. It hasn't made it over here, but you can download, you know, somebody did the score sheets while we wait. Cause as soon as it gets here, I am buying Quinto, regardless of the fact that I laminated some sheets so that I can mark them off with my Quicks Deluxe. But I, I love Quicks. I, I love teaching. I taught it to my mom. She really enjoys it. The only rule she hates, Marty, is the one that says, you've got to complete five to yep. fill out the last one. She's like, why? I'm like, it's a rule, mom. <laughs> it's a stupid rule. And that's what I heard. It's a stupid rule. I'm like, it's not a, stu- it's a, just a rule. I mean, it's what makes the ending side of the game or the four. And oh, it just yeah. goes downhill from there. But it is, it's a fun game. Yeah. It's so funny. After we finished playing, the first thing Vanessa said was, Hey, when her parents come here for Thanksgiving, this would be a good game to teach them. Uh, and it would. So that was worth a little $10 purchase, but that's the only thing that we had to play all weekend. And so we, uh, we did that. So that's how we got the hold of the game. All right. Before we kick it over to our little five minute room, I do want to talk one more about some games that we've received for a quick overview that I've got to play that I cannot wait to show you. I, I started out with the squeaker and I'm not going to bring out the squeaker because I don't want Scott King to get mad at me again and drive his dogs insane. Okay. But Caribou Camp. It's a very simple, great little family game by Gigamet Games, and it is the game where do you did you play the game Spoon with your boys, where you're trying to collect a set of like common cards, and you then grab spoons. Oh wait a minute! We had uh, spoons in the center of the floor, yeah. sitting in a circle, and then you had to grab one, and if you didn't grab one, you were out or something like that. Yeah, you started spelling spoons like horse with cards. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I do know that game. All right, so in Caribou Camp, you're basically collecting along that same lines where there's cards in the middle and you're trying to collect the family, either like a, a squirrel, yeah, they got squirrels, uh, a moose, a skunk, or as they call it, a polecat, a raccoon. And if you collect a family of five of those animals, then you are now able to collect the squeaker. And But here's the neat thing. You're playing as a team. And if you collect that family, then you're... A punt or your teammate has to grab the squeaker, not you, but you have to signal to your teammate that go get the squeaker. And the way you do that is by giving them a subtle sign. And the way you do that is by each of the animals, like the moose sticks out his tongue, or you have to indicate it through your tongue or touch your nose for the polecat or show your hand for the raccoon. But if the other team sees you giving that signal and they grab the squeaker, then they get a point. If your teammate grabs the squeaker and identifies the right animal, then you get two points. You play to nine. For a bunch of 50-year-olds, Marty, we had a blast playing this game. I'm not 50 yet. For a bunch of soon-to-be 50-year-olds. Okay. We had a blast playing this game. Matter of fact, my wife was teamed with one of uh, our neighbors, uh, uh, the husband, and her nose itched. So we're playing and then she starts scratching her nose and he reaches over and grabs the squeaker and puts it on the, the, um, I think it was the polecat. And she goes, what are you doing? He goes, you touched your nose. That was the signal. She goes, no, my nose itched. Oh man. We had a big time with that. But I I will say this for a family game, it will get probably with a bunch of adults, it'll get old before a family game. 
It's the next step for spoons. It's a lot of fun. That's cool. And the other one that he sent us was Panic Lab. And that one is a memory game for us older generation. It is a great way to remind us of, of doing things where you're trying to track down what is you roll dice and you're trying to match the tile based on four dice. But if you go past a color changer, he changes color or shape changer. He changes again. I couldn't do it. I was so, I was so disappointed in myself. I was like, okay, wait, what was he? Wait, I did. he? Did, oh, it was very, I can't wait to give you a try at this one as well. That one is a, another great family game. I'm not just saying that because the guy sent it to us. I really think you guys look for it. Oh, you're a shill. What? You're a shill. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead. I know. But they are, they are fun family games. I think they take a common thing that you see, memory games, uh, matching, quick reflexes. I think they take it really to an, another way of doing that. Like I said, with um, caribou camp and, and taking spoons to the next level. So guys take a look at Gigamet games. I was really surprised when I opened up these tens and found what kind of games there were and just how they really help with your memory. And unfortunately for older people reflexes. Well, from one extreme of the weightiness icon to the other i just got some shipping notices tony in the future you and i are going to be learning how to play oracles of delphi from stefan Feld, which is going to be released at essen sweet and heckelspeckt why don't you just go ahead and put travis's cut from our previous episode in i need to do that so both of those are on the way to us so we got some good heavy euros that we're going to be able to get to table and talk about and i can't wait because vanessa my wife loves stefan fell games so i'm hoping that uh, she'll dig this one so i can't wait to check that out uh the oracle is from uh, tmg and heckle spec is from capstone games well i can't wait for you to teach it to some people so when i come over it'll be an easy transition for me <laughs> you you know how that is. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. We're recording this five minute initiative from Carolina Tabletop Games in Pineville because Tony and I just had the chance to finish playing Pandemic Cthulhu from Z Man Games. This is a game designed by Chuck Yeager and it's based on the Matt Leacock Pandemic game. Now, Tony, this game plays a lot like pandemic except the big difference is one is the theme yep. totally different theme the mm-hmm. idea is that instead of diseases are coming out there are cultists coming out you're playing in the area of arkham there's four different areas that you're playing through and the cultists have come out and they're trying to summon these elder gods into the world we as the investigators must try to close four gates and if we do we're going to win this game for such a lighter side of pandemic game i thought this was going to be a piece of cake but it wasn't. It was tough. So I don't understand what you say it's lighter. To me, I don't know that it's necessarily lighter. We had to make the same decisions. I mean, so the, the gameplay is pretty much the same, right? On your turn, you can move. You can fight things. You can destroy the cultists. You can destroy the big shoggoths that are going to be walking around. You can close gates. You can trade cards. So all that mechanically is the same way. Yeah, I agree with you on that standpoint. But the trading is a whole lot easier. You don't have to be in the same city with the same per- or at the person. But you do have to be in the same city. But the colors can match. So they've eliminated that complexity of pandemic where the cards have to match the city you're in to be able to trade them unless you have a special ability. Well, basically what it is is the city is a one certain color. So in Arkham, it's green, but there's different locations in that city, but the locations aren't named cards. Right. It's just you have an Arkham card, which does make it easier to travel from location to location. Right. And then travel 
traveling's a whole lot easier from that standpoint. You go to that stem stand where you can take the train and get to any place on there. But that's kind of like the trains form research stations that are normally in pandemic that you have to build. Well, they're already built for you. So that's the nice side of that. Now, the other reason why I say is kind of like the, the um, summoning cards, the ones like the infection deck yes. where, where you pull out the cubes. It's a lot smaller. There's only 24. I mean, my gosh, you got to really be going. But the losing conditions are a lot more complex. There's no doubt about that. I mean, if Cthulhu Awakens, which is the last card, which is the same thing as being an outbreak of eight. Yes, with every outbreak. Now, that's one thing that's a big difference. Instead of an outbreak, if you have three cultists in the area, if another cultist comes in, there's no outbreak thing. The idea is that another elder god flips up. And if all the elder gods flip up, game over. As more elder gods show up, the harder the game gets. Because the elder gods actually change the state of the game. They'll actually put in some Mm -hmm. sort of effect that you must deal with. Now, I like that because that is different. I do too. I do think that adds something to the old tired and true true and tired game of pandemic i like how it's getting harder and harder and it's ramping up quicker and quicker now that some people may not like that because the strategy you you know most people are like oh i can do this this is and have a good game plan as those cards flip over it really does in my opinion ramp up yeah no i guess that's true but also what's cool is there's a bunch of different elder gods so there's a lot of different replayability right there's 12 and you you'll and see you only eight. pick eight and you they come out in different order so you're not exactly sure how they're going to resolve uh the also things is uh just like in pandemic you have roles where everybody has special things that they can do with their cards you get four actions per turn but you have sanity Yes, And over the course of the game, you may have to do sanity checks. Like, one of your travel things is you can travel from one gate to another. you got to roll a sanity die, and you may lose sanity. If you lose enough sanity, you actually go insane. You flip the card over, you lose one action, and there's another bad thing that happens to you uh, because of that. But if you close the gate, you can heal yourself back up again, which is kind of cool. So that's another little twist, too. And now, and then you also have the standpoint of, you know, the cultists are the diseases. They are coming out on the board. If you run out of cultists, just like in Pandemic, if you run out of cubes or the diseases of a certain color, you lose the game. But that's all over the board. So that's really why it's so compressed and so nice. Overall, for me... Would um, I, you know, being a big pandemic yes. player? I'm very curious about this because you're a huge pandemic player, so I'm curious what you think. I think it, it brings something different. It's something neat. It breaks the constant of the, the playing the pandemic at the house. But overall, I think for like my wife who loves this game, it's not worth me to purchase because we I've got all the expansions for pandemic. I will always have variability in that. So does it bring enough? No, the theme doesn't change enough. How you win doesn't change enough. you got to close four gates versus discovering four uh, cures. Not a big deal. What about you? Well, see, for me, I think I'm going to fall on the other side. I love the theme. I love Lovecraftian theme games. My family loves Lovecraftian theme games. In fact, we don't even play Pandemic anymore. I think what's great about this is this game does play faster. And you say it's easier, but it also plays quicker. We Definitely. finished in about 40, 45 minutes. I think it's easy to teach. The art is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. The art and, and the board is really nice and the little pieces are nice. So for me, I actually will keep this on my shelf and probably pull this off the shelf quicker than the Pandemic just because it does play quicker and we like the theme. And I can understand that because it is. You're right. It plays a whole lot quicker you can lose a whole lot quicker but then again i've also lost in pandemic in under oh i don't know 10 minutes that was easy enough but all in all if i were to tell someone to go out and pick a game i would say you really need to check on that theme before you pick between the two five minute initiative is complete Broken Token is excited to announce two brand new inserts. One is for Scythe, the popular game from 
Stonemeyer games that has tons of components and miniatures and everything. Well, you need a way to organize that thing and Broken Token has done it with their scythe insert. In addition, they came out with an insert I'm excited about, 51st State. Now, they've done a lot of inserts for Portal games, but this is another nice one that holds all the tokens, keeps them all separated. They've done the same sort of thing for Imperial Settlers. Now they've applied their magic to 51st State, so it's another one I'm very interested in. If you're interested in the Scythe insert or the 51st State insert or any of their other quality products, go check them out at thebrokentoken.com. As everyone knows, I get one gaming convention a year. And <laughs> what? 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 That is just pathetic. It's sad. It's sad. I, I understand it may be sad, but what's not sad is for 2017, I have the awesome opportunity to not only attend a gaming con, but also a vacation. My wife and I are going out to Breckenridge, Colorado, and we are going to attend the Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation. And just so happens, Marty, Michael has decided to join us tonight and talk a little bit about this great event he is hosting. Now, hopefully I haven't sold it enough yet. Hey, Michael, welcome to the show. (laughs) Hi, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Oh, nice follow-in. So, Michael, that's right. We're a bunch of professionals here, and we appreciate you taking time out tonight to sit down with us and talk a little bit about the Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation. Now, you've been doing this for five years, right? That's correct. Yeah, we started uh, originally doing it out of Jackson, Wyoming. We did that for three years, and now this will be our second year in Breckenridge, Colorado, so our, our fifth total year. Now, one of my biggest questions and the biggest concern I have for me and my wife is, how bad is the altitude issue? Yeah, so uh, Breckenridge is at just short of 10,000 feet, and uh, the altitude will affect people. I'm not going to uh, short sell that at all. Um, most people did just fine this year, though. I think the biggest thing for people coming uh, up to the Rockies is that they drink a lot of water, uh, both the day before, the day of travel, and then throughout the entire con, uh, and that especially on the travel days, they avoid alcohol or anything else that your system uh, may want to reject as well as the altitude. But uh, take it in the first day, uh, you'll typically just kind of want to be a light activity. Uh, Most people recommend that you do get up and be active, take a walk, you know, don't go for the 10 mile hike, but also don't just nap all day. So, um, but you know, for the most part, we didn't really see huge problems with it, but it is something that will affect people that are coming from the coast. All right. So for, will you have oxygen on hand for people like me of advanced years? You know, it's weird. They they actually sell it in the grocery stores. there, like little bottles for folks. Marty, did you ever go skiing? You were, you were a big skier. Did you ever go skiing out in Breckenridge? I never made it out West. I did here and up in the Northeast, but no, never out West. I always wanted to. Yeah. It's a very interesting ski area. Vale's just around the corner, Copper Mountains there. Uh, I mean, it is the heart of Colorado skiing there. Of course, we're there in the kind of early summer. So most of the snow is gone. They usually do have a giant pile of it still left over from the uh, terrain park. That's kind of kind of interesting up at the resort. Well, if there's no sk- snow and you're not be able to ski, then what will be we'll be able to do? So Breckenridge, um, really the whole Summit County area is not just a ski area. In fact, uh, you know, the, the Rocky Mountains themselves are is is an extremely large range as most people are familiar with and even though the national park is about three hours from breckenridge uh it's still without a doubt in the heart of the rockies um so 
you know, the easy answer is that, you know, anybody looking for any type of hiking, horseback riding, whitewater rafting, any type of adventure, they've got a million zip line courses and all sorts of stuff along those lines. Uh, that's really easy. But for folks that maybe aren't as super adventurous and want to do that every day, uh, there is just a plethora of stuff. It's an old mining community. That's really how the community got started. And there's two or three different mines that are available to kind of go and tour uh, and see. There's a number of historic districts, a bunch of art galleries. And then there's also just kind of your typical uh, tourist traps. There's a great uh, little reservoir there that you can rent boats on. Um, the town is just wonderful. It's just about, it's pretty much just across the parking lot from the uh, resort. So the little, it's a gorgeous little town with tons of little shops, restaurants, um, you know, and that's all the stuff not at the resort. The resort itself has the Summer Fun Park and a whole bunch of other stuff. I do want to warn everybody that this year the Summer Fun Park is going to be going through some upgrades, and there's a pretty good chance that it's not going to be open. Um, but we decided that, that there's really only about six people who went to the Summer Fun Park last year, uh, mostly young kids. And then, um, you know, Dan King, who's probably should be grouped in the young kid uh, category, Game Boy Geek, great guy. Uh, he, he really went up and enjoyed it, um, largely to help kind of do the review. But most of the guests actually steered clear of it because they, they kind of enjoyed some of the other stuff, kind of a little more adult-oriented uh, stuff around town. I mean, gosh, the list goes on. We all, there was uh, whitewater rafting was super popular. They said the the bus ride was as good as the actual raft itself because of um, how great the scenery was. There was a jeep tour that went out. Uh, some people went hot air ballooning. Um, you know, so there's a lot of those kind of paid kind of extra add-on adventures. But at the same time, there's you can easily entertain yourself going for anything from a half mile little nature walk right from the resort, or you can climb 14ers, the, you know, the uh, big peaks in the uh, Colorado Rockies, um, just to walking around town. And then of course there's a gaming convention that's, that's going on at the same time. Okay. A couple things you said in there that I need a clarity on. First off, climb 14ers. Is that 14,000 feet? Yeah, that's correct. There's a large number of the 14,000 peaks um, right there, just outside of Breckenridge. It sounds like I'm going to be loopy coming back, Marty. My, I'm going to be... I'm going to be oxygen deprived. This You're going to have a completely brain dead co-host. How is that different from now? Hello. I know. So I do have a question. So uh, with with the package, when when you go, you talked about all these activities. What activities are... Are any activities included with the package? Yeah, that's a really good... Um, Question. So we, one of our tenants is to include everything that uh, we feel people will need to have a good time and then make everything optional that uh, folks don't. So what we do include is all the lodging and folks stay in very nice townhomes. They do share those townhomes. So if you're coming as a couple, you'll have your own bedroom and your own bathroom, but you'll share the living areas of the townhome with some of the other attendees, which sometimes people think is a little weird, but people rave about it afterwards um, where they say, wow, when we showed up, we immediately knew some people. I do a pretty good job of pairing up people with like couples. So we include the lodging. And then since we are in townhomes, we stock those townhomes with breakfast and lunch, um, which is, and you can read about the food program uh, online. And then all the gaming's included. Uh, if we, we will occasionally do something sealed that, you know, might have an entry fee, but usually a lot of that, it doesn't even have an entry fee. And then, 
Um, the resort has a number of things that are kind of included, uh, but this year we're also going to have some guided hikes in the morning. So we're going to be using effectively the town um, kind of little local nature uh, company there that, that does these little guided hikes. And we're going to use them to do some, you know, kind of one to three mile short hikes. Um, that's all included. And then we may include some more things here as we get closer to the event, but then most of the add-on adventures are paid by person and we help arrange group rates as best we can this year because we're going to have a substantially larger group than we've had in the past. We should, we should have a little bit better luck at that, but um, we don't really mark up any of the add-on adventures. We just help the guests kind of get there. We help with transportation. The resort has a great shuttle service as well as a lot of the providers will will drive for that. So um, we do uh, include, oh, and then we have a happy hour that's included. So on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we meet. Last year, we did it uh, at one of the pubs at the resort, but we're going to do it downtown this time at the recommendation of a couple of the guests and my staff. So that uh, is for about an hour and a half. Uh, early in the day, we meet down at one of the uh, Restaurants down in town, the staff will buy kind of a round of hot hors d'oeuvres. The guests buy their own drinks, and we bring a couple of kind of lighter social games down there if people want to play those. That was super popular last year, kind of a nice social thing, a little bit of gaming where people can meet each other. So that's that's included as well. And as far as the gaming, uh, so do you have scheduled events for that? Is it pretty much just open gaming the whole weekend? We have both so over the five years we've been doing it, we've learned a lot about what guests that are truly on vacation and not in a con. Well, you know, it is a con, but it's it's also the guests um, are very much on vacation. And we've we've learned a lot about when to provide scheduled events, when to provide pickup games. We try to provide a lot more scheduled stuff in the beginning of the week when people haven't quite gotten to know everybody. But come Tuesday or Wednesday, everybody knows each other really, really well. You'd be surprised, you know. We usually have about 50 to 60 guests. I suspect we're going to have about 80 guests this year. Um, by come Tuesday, Wednesday, everybody starts clicking. What they want to play is is known, and, and, and they have a plan when they come in in the nights. But we do provide what we call the evening scheduled games. We have one start at like 6.37 and 7.30, kind of after the dinner hour, um, where we have sign-ups for those. Um, and then we have like Wednesday during the day is War Game Wednesday, where folks can play some of the heavier kind of 4X type stuff um, that... You know, you don't want to be worried about going until 2 in the morning playing. Um, and then we do a pre-con survey where we get a lot of feedback on guests to see what they're looking for. But we always provide at least two scheduled role-playing games that are DM'd by one of my very close friends and great staff member, Mike. He, uh, Another Mike. He runs all of our RPG stuff. So uh, we have without it. And then this year there is an escape room in Breckenridge that we're also going to be scheduling where folks can sign up for that. Um, it's really affordable. Got really good reviews last year. Um, although I'm not sure they were ready for the quality of gamers that were coming to their escape room. Cause they said it was kind of, it was kind of easy last year, but I'm sure we can get them to step it up a little bit. I think they did the kind of easier one anyways, but um, so yeah, it's kind of a mix. Um, but kind of the one of the unique things is many of the games in our library, I can't say all of them, I and some of my other staff members know how to teach pretty darn well. So 
unlike a lot of open gaming where you either have to learn the game or you have to already know how to play it, um, you can pick a game out of our library. There's a very good chance we'll be able to teach it to you, um, which people really, really like a lot. Less time reading the rules. So for everybody that's listening, they might probably want to get some details. So let's get some dates and some cost. And if people are interested, where can they go to find out more about it? Uh, Yeah, so our website is IcarusTours.com, but um, RockyMountainGamingVacation.com will also get you there. Um, You can also just Google Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation. If I've done my job, you should get, it should be the first hit, which it is for most folks. It is June 4th to June 10th this year, uh, this upcoming in 2017. We plan on going back to Breckenridge for 2018. After that, uh, all bets are off. We're reserving the right to change destinations after that, although Breckenridge has been absolutely fantastic for us. Uh, the website is should you know is kind of the one stop for all information. Registration and pricing is there. You just need to go to the registration page. Um, there's also information there about Teton Con, if you want to look back and see what Teton Con was like, because um, Rocky Mountain Gaming Vacation is um, kind of designed entirely off of our success uh, with Teton Con. So, and then uh, if you just want to email me directly to have any questions, it's just info at IcarusTours.com. I C A R U S. I guess it's kind of a morbid joke to have a travel company about Icarus, but uh, it's nice and easy to remember. And you'll be really close to the sun, so. That's right. First off, I'm going to be there, people. So, you know, that takes the level up a little bit. And then um, we've got Mike Fitzgerald there. So hopefully I'll get in a game of diamonds. He's already signed my box, Marty. So if you want anything signed, let me know. And then Sean from uh, Dukes of Dice will be there. And I know you mentioned that you may have some other special guests that you can't talk about right now, unless you can talk about it right now. I, yeah, I can't. We do oh. we are in negotiations with some other folks. Um, we've already got our 2018 guests lined up, which is great. Um, but to be honest, I think once we uh, hear back from these folks, if they are a negative, then we're probably going to close it for special guests entirely because I'm worried about running out of rooms. Um, we we kind of fill up every year, but it's often kind of right towards when we get started. Whereas this year, um, I reserved every single townhome in the, in the resort, and uh, we have 17 rooms left out of about 40, and we fill about one room a week. Um, but we have a group of 13 that's thinking of registering, so that will, would cut us almost in half of, well cut out a third of our available rooms. So I really don't want to have to tell anybody that they can't come because we've got another special guest. So um, I'm really hoping that the special guests we are working on work out. But uh, Mike was absolutely fantastic last year. So is Alex and uh, Dan King from Game Boy Geek. And I have no doubt this year is going to be a really great year with special guests. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome just because it's me and Sean. Uh, Yeah, right. Okay. So, the the last question I have for you, and before we let you go, is you butt right up against Origins, and I know that's going to challenge. But a lot of you know, Origins is a gamer's con. Here, it's vacation and gaming all mixed together. I mean, I'm able to get my wife to do this, which I think was the huge selling point. Is that kind of what the market you're going for, as far as people, um, those that hey, you know, you're not a big heavy gamer, but here's an opportunity. Enjoy the great outdoors and enjoy gaming at night. <laughs> 
So our audience is a very broad spectrum. We get a lot of very heavy gamers. We get a lot of heavy outdoorsy folks that also game, and we get everything in between. We even had a couple that came had never played or even heard of board games really before that were just there with their friends, um, and they loved it. That was the first year that we had it at Teton Con. Every year we get a number of spouses that aren't interested or are interested. Um, So we get a broad spectrum. Um, In terms of bumping up against origins, um, I would challenge anyone these days to find a week that uh, the weather is good, that is not close to some big con. I mean, there's just, there's so many now. Essen, BGG Con, uh, Dice Tower Con, Origins, Gen Con. There's just, it's very hard to hit really any time that's not next to it. And so for our target is... I am not going to compromise the quality of our event um, based on butting up against another con because a lot of our guests, this is the one con they go to or they go to two or three. Um, but you're kind of always going to be able to, going to be forced to make a decision. And for me, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, the best time to travel to the Rockies is June. I mean, it's a gorgeous month. Uh, the weather is usually fantastic. But at the same time, it's not 90 degrees, um, and you know a lot of the buildings in Breckridge don't have AC because it's only, they would only need it for one or maybe one and a half, two months out of the year. So I don't want to be there in July, and I don't want to be there in August, and you go before June, and you start running into spring weather, which is no good. So um, I totally, we're also very close to Dice Tower Con, and I totally understand that folks may want to go to Origins over us, but we target 80 guests, so it's not like um, I'm really targeting masses and masses, and I never really plan on growing over about 100 guests. I don't. I think we would lose our feel, uh, what we're trying to achieve, so uh, I'm just not willing to compromise the quality of the vacation that I'm going to put on in order to try and do it at a time that wouldn't be ideal for what I'm trying to do. Well, Michael, we really do appreciate you taking time out for scheduling all my great events for next year to make sure that my posse and and my wife all have a great time. Get back at it, man, because, you know, I've got to really sell it to them again in 2018. All right. Great. Can't wait to see you this spring. All right. Thank you, Michael, for coming on. And we really, really do appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. The summer season is long behind us, which means now is a good time for us to recap our box office, red box, and trash box episode that we did back in the spring. That's a special episode where myself, Tony, Dan Patrice, and Chris Kirkman all get together to talk about the big blockbuster summer movies that are going to be coming out. And then we rank each one based on box office, whether we'll go see it in the theater, red box, whether it's probably one we'll just wait and rent, or trash box, which means we'll never see. Then at the end of the show, each of us draft four movies. Then over the course of the summer, we add up all the U.S. dollars that each movie made in our picks, and the person with the most money wins. In addition, we ran a contest for our listeners where they can make their favorite picks, and the person whose picks made the most money wins. In case of a tie, we also asked each person to list which movie would make the least. And one of the things is we do definitely, we, we kept the choices to a minimum to make life easy on me. To be honest, Marty, I didn't expect it to be as tight as it was because I was hoping there'd be a lot more discrepancy in the movies and the box office draws. But what it showed me, Marty, is at the end of the summer, there weren't that many good movies out there, I guess. I don't know. Uh, No, when you look at the top grossing movies of the summer, it's pretty pathetic. There were four really good ones, and then it really drops off after that. 
Oh, yeah. And I went back and I marked the ones that I went and saw. I mean, the top four movies, Finding Dory, Captain America Civil War, The Secret Life of Pets, and Suicide Squad. I'm like, I saw three of those four. I have not gone and seen Suicide Squad yet. And I'll probably just wait for it to go red box, even though I said I'd go to the box office and see it. How about you? Well, for me, of the top movies, I didn't go and see a lot. It's just things I was very interested in. So the only ones I saw from the top four was uh, Civil War and Suicide Squad. Now, I saw some others that are after that we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, like you said, those are the uh, four biggest. And uh, basically, if you drafted one or two of those, then you had a really good chance of winning. And Tony, among us, among our group of friends, <laughs> I drafted two of those top four. You knocked it out of the park with, you sat there and you were kicking yourself. Oh, I should have taken Captain America Civil War. But Finding Dory beat it. And I mean, only by 80 million, but still, that's enough in our drafting. I mean, you kicked our sorry tails. You, you decimated Chris. You beat me pretty good. Dan was right there with me, but you killed us with your billion plus in total gross for the year. Yeah. So the finals were, I had grossed a little over a billion, 1 billion, 29 million. Dan was in second at 755 million. Tony had 702 million. <laughs> and Chris <laughs> had 298. I had, I picked movies that made more. I picked two movies that made more than his entire four put together. Well, he did have the last draft, last pick in the draft, right? Yeah, he did. But he could have picked Suicide Squad. He could have. And he did not. He did not. And I he mean, could have picked Secret Lives of Pets. He did not. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I mean, and he did pick Warcraft. <clears throat> yeah, we'll talk about that movie in a second. That's another one that I saw. Yeah, his first pick was Warcraft. And that movie grossed, my gosh, what was it 40 something million? For, for, now, keep in mind that was U.S. gross. These are all U.S. gross. Yes. Now, across the seas, it got a lot more, a ton more. It, it did, but we did just keep it uh, within the U.S. Also, it just made the accounting uh, a little bit easier, too. But Warcraft made $47 million. Now, there are millions and millions of Warcraft players. And what this means is very few of those even went out to watch it. But I did. Myself and two sons went out to watch it, and it was a waste of money. A total waste of money. Oh, and I'm going to rent it. I've got to see it. It's a train wreck. I've got to see it. Yeah. I mean, you see it. So some of the effects are okay. It's just, they try to do the Warcraft one story and, and they did a pretty decent job of it, but that story is so basic and it just needed a little something else. But anyway, so that's one of the movies I saw that just did not do very well. And it, it was probably the worst movie I saw this summer. In fact, what was the worst movie you saw this summer? Oh, you know, uh, they weren't even on the list of things. I mean, I saw some really dead uh, from the ones, list ones that we from on our list of ones to pick from. Yes, I did not enjoy X Men Apocalypse as much as I thought it would. That that disappointed me. That one was probably one of the, one of the ones that I I thought was going to be a lot better than it was. But I'm telling you, when I f finished watching that one, I was like, really, they. What they do? Run out of budget? Did they run out of time at the end? Did they try to cram it on? And I mean, this is kind of sad. I enjoyed Independence Day Resurgence more than X Men Apocalypse, but that's you know, I, I'm just strange. Well, I don't know if that's strange. I think I haven't seen X Men Apocalypse. I really want to, but I heard that of the last three, that it was the least 
liked of the three. Now, did you make it to Star Trek Beyond? I did not, but I really want to see it. It's just one of those I didn't get out in the theater to see. I will definitely rent it. That one was really good. I enjoyed that one. I mean, you know me. We go to the movies uh, Tuesday night, so a lot of them I had to pick and choose. And some of them, you know, were... Um, uh, I could have really red boxed them, but I'm glad I went and saw them. Did you happen to see Ghostbusters? I said I wouldn't trash box that, and I am not ever going to see that. Yeah, and here's the thing is, when you look at like what's considered like flops over the summer, now even though it made $127 million, it made well below what they had expected to make. And it just was, it was an okay movie. I was in the theater the whole theater probably laughed out loud three or four times. It has some cute moments, but it's one of those things that you ever had those movies that when you're in there watching it, you're kind of enjoying it. It's, it's hey, this is entertaining. But when you get out, it's very forgettable. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what Ghostbusters was for me. I don't need to see it again. And in fact, the last thing I heard was that, you know, they thought, oh, for sure, sequel. They have stopped the sequel from from happening. Uh, they're going to wait. I mean, they may wait on see what the DVD sales do. It's a shame. Ghostbusters is a great franchise. You know, it just didn't click with people for some reason. Just didn't make as much money. But, um, you know, that's one of the ones that, that going in, I think uh, Chris actually drafted that one. Yes, he did. Yeah. And, and I think that at the time I thought, oh, yeah, that's definitely going to be a big one. But it's one of those that kind of fell a little short. I mean, there were others that somewhat felt Independence Day only made 103. I thought it was going to be bigger than that. Speaking of disappointments on money wise, your straight to DVD that went to the theater and now to the DVD Ice Age Collision Course made more than the BFG. And it had big names behind it. That was my killer. I could have beaten Dan if I had just taken Angry Birds. I don't get it because BFG was from a big company. It was from Steven Spielberg, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it had all the right things. Maybe it just looked too weird. It was an odd looking movie. And it was. And I just, it didn't have the draw. Maybe it's the time of the release. I mean, even The Secret Life of Pets, which, you know, was on mine, which was my big draw. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it had its moments. It had too much Kevin Hart in it. I really wish they had cut a lot of his stuff out of it. And I think it would have been a much better movie for me, but I love those things, uh, animated films. But, you know, it was okay, but I don't know if it justified $365 million. You know, I got to give credit. Uh, Sausage Party made more than it, it did. For an R-rated animated movie, it made $97 million. And I want to go, I still want to go see it, or at least rent it. The one that really surprised me, though, that made so much money, The Conjuring 2. You never would have thought, you know, that would have done as a sequel made 102 million bucks. Yeah. I mean, you learned your lesson last year about taking a horror movie in the middle of the of summer. Well, that one could have paid off. But you know, it's funny looking at the top four. We, we have a strategy for next year, right? Look at this. Two of the top four animated movies. Mm-hmm. Two of them are superhero movies. Yeah. And then action. Jason Bourne, Star Trek, X-Men. Yep. I have yet to see Central Intelligence. I said I'd want to go see that one, and it's already closed. I can't. I need to go rent it from Redbox. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, it's talking about uh, Suicide Squad. I did go see Suicide Squad. I may have, coming out of the theater, liked it more than Batman versus Superman. But what I thought was so odd was I went and saw it with my sons again. We laughed more in that movie than we did in Ghostbusters. And I didn't know that we were supposed to, but there was just some funny lines in there. It was an okay story. Again, it's one of those that is somewhat forgettable. Now that I'm out of it, I really can't remember a lot about it, but it was entertaining mm-hmm. for, for what it was. Now, we will say this and moving past our summer picks. If you haven't seen Sully for an hour and a half movie, it's actually very good and it's climbing the charts pretty quick. I know fall movies, these are the down, but take some time. Do you need to see Sully in the theater? I 
think you kind of sort of do for the for all the special effects that are there and the big screen. Marty, I, I recommend that you definitely red box Sully. And as far as the rest of the fall, I can't wait to go pick out Jack Reacher or um, I think there's the other movie. God, oh, it just left left me. What? Uh, there's another movie we're going to go see this fall and I can't. Oh, um, even though it's tanking, old Marky Mark. Oh, yeah. The uh, the oil rig movie. Yeah. Uh, deep, deep Water Horizon. Yeah, I wanted to go see that one, but it's tanking. But uh, my wife still wants to see it, so we'll go see it. Now, I know you people have been saying. Now, wait a minute, but just, what's the big fall movie that's coming out? I thought for sure you were going to say this. What comes out in two weeks? Remind me. Doctor Strange. Oh, God, that's right. Doctor Strange. Oh, my gosh. That looks so good. <laughs> yes, it does. I cannot wait for that movie. I love Benedict Cumberbund, and I think he's going to do a fantastic job in that. Oh, he is. So we're getting ready to gear up for the big uh, holiday movies. And, of course, you got Rogue One that's going to be coming out. We're excited about it. But you know what? We've gone through all this, and we still haven't announced our winners Tony, who are our winners for our contest and what are they going to win? Our first place winner, and I'm going to only use because we didn't get names or anything. We just got emails, but I'm using the code that I put over there is TuxOrd. He is the winner. He picked Civil War, Finding Dory, and then took a flyer with The Secret Life of Pets. And he total gross was $1.2 billion. Dang. Nice job. And that was that was his name from uh, Board Game Geek. No, that's just their email. Uh, we didn't gather in that. So I just picked so I wouldn't cause anybody to get spam emails. And then we had a tie for second place out of two people, CKSAS and then his email and then CMozzle for their pick because they all picked the same Top three, Captain America Civil, Finding Dory, and Suicide Squad. But they had complete faith in absolutely fabulous bombing at the box office. Four million dollars. That was a good pick because it totally bombed. Oh, I don't even think the I think the film that they put that stuff on and all the DVDs are gonna make are probably worth more than what that movie made. Wait a minute, C Moz? Is that our buddy Chris? This is and by random draw. He's the winner of a $10 broken token gift card. So $25 and $10 goes to 25 goes to Ducks Ord and $10 goes to CMOZ. Those are our winners of our summer movie challenge. Guys, we really do appreciate you playing. Yeah, thanks so much of all the people that entered. And Tony, thank you so much for doing the accounting because I know that had to be a pain in the butt to try to track all those movies and and keep track of of who did what. And each month you would post in the guild uh, what the rankings were and everything. Was it too much of a pain to do again next year? No, we're doing it again next year because we are definitely, VLOOKUPs are so easy to use, but I will restructure it a little bit based on what I learned here to try to get a little bit more diversity in our choices. But we'll figure that out. Fantastic. So that was our wrap up of Box Office, Red Box, Trash Box for 2016. Guarantee we'll be doing it again next year. We'll get Chris and Dan on and we'll go all through this again. Thanks for all those that entered and congrats to the winners. Five-minute initiative begins in three, two, one. So Marty, Mansions of Madness, second edition. Now, you played the first edition. Yes, I have, sir. Was this an interview? But yes, real quick for me. 
I really love playing this game. I'm going to jump right into it. <laughs> but what is the difference between this and the first that you found? I mean, is it is it that much better? Okay, the big difference is because there's an app involved. Right. Okay, so basically the app replaces a person that sat at the head of the table because it was one versus many. So this person was the one that was making the decisions of where to move monsters and, and how to fight and everything. And so this whole game, Mansions of Madness, is basically is it's a co-op game. Mm-hmm. You're trying to play against the game itself. There's different scenarios you're running through. And what this does is this really cuts down on the time for setup and everything because in the original game, that person who was playing the, the one, they had to set up all these cards, had to make the decision. There was a lot of downtime on your turn when they were making their moves. What this does is this eliminates that, and the setup is a piece of cake because now the app tells you what tiles to come out. Beforehand, you had to set up all the tiles and ready to go. Here it's like, set up this one tile, let's hit the go button. So it just eliminates a lot of the decisions that one person had to make. Instead, it's done through the app. So the gameplay is just smoother. The whole, All the mechanics are easier to understand. It's just a, a smoother game from top to bottom. Oh, yeah, I would agree with you on that. Because not having played the first one, though, but to learn this one, I'm sitting down, I'm doing a single player. Yep. And you have to pick two uh, investigators in order to play as a single player. And I'm like, okay, well, let's get start. Well, the app's going to tell me how to get started. I mean, that worth itself is awesome. I love that. I was able to sit there and go and move and things like that. And I wasn't having to do anything tedious in the app. And I know we're stressing the app, but to me, I think that's the huge, huge, big thing I, I don't know if huge huge big is big enough but if that's a, <laughs> huge, huge huge big, big. Yeah. i don't know if that's that important but i mean to me it was it was really something to show me all the things it made it part of doing the game easier and I'm not making any sense. No, you're you're not. Let me help you out here. So yes, the game is help helping you drive these things, but I think it also really helps with the theme because you got the music going on. There's a little bit of narrative going on, but it just basically tells you you're going to spawn this person here. Uh, we have the map on there, so when you take your turn, when you search, it tells you what you found. It just eliminates a lot of the things that another person used to have to do for you. And what's really cool is even though it's app driven and you can do the same scenario, the scenario is different every time. Right. So maybe uh, maybe there's a tile that's different maybe there's a door that's different a search uh, icon may give you different things that kind of overall narrative is the same but the details of that narrative change when i was playing the other night and something occurred no spoiler here and i was like oh crud oh that's cool how they wove it into the story and told me that i screwed up that was kind of neat i didn't appreciate screwing up but i it was kind of neat how it was done the um, board was was nice to be able to sit there and let it develop over time. It, it did. It felt like a really cool story that, you know, you go to this page. Oh, if you made this decision, go to this page. I really enjoyed what that What do you mean go to this page? You know, there were, when we were growing up, there were those books where you would sit there and you would read. Oh, the Choose Your Own Adventure. Choose Your Own Adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's what it felt like. It felt like I was doing oh, that. Okay, and yeah, I was yeah. enjoy- And I enjoyed that part of it. I thought it was like, wow. So I'm glad I never played the first edition because this may... It, it didn't taint it. Let me ask you this. Did you find the rules hard to get? Did you understand how to make your tests and everything? No. That, that was easy. easy to pick up? Okay. But, but then again, I've also played enough Arkham Hara mm-hmm. and Eldritch Hara and Elder Sign. And that's the other thing. I think this is a great step. I've always been concerned of having Donna play Eldritch Hara or Arkham Hara. This, to me, she will enjoy. I especially your like wife. My wife, yes. But... I think this is a great next step in this series for her. And I also think that it's really cool that, you know, this seems silly, but it'll be fun to set it up on the TV and have the computer there and have, you know, and do Steam controlling the adventure and everybody can see the TV and have everybody involved and instead of passing around a small app. I love that they are 
going out there and pushing it to all the medias and you just don't have the tablet. That's kind of neat. So to me, yeah, I think it's great. I like it so much that I've already invested in both expansions and I know you have too. So I guess you enjoyed it. Yeah, well, I do. But there, there are some negatives that I have found that um, when you're playing really long scenarios, eventually you stop reading everything on the screen. Yeah. Uh, first off, you're reading everything. Once you understand how the mechanics work, after two hours into it, you're just like, okay, what icons do I need to test on? We've already talked about the, uh, the bits and the miniature pieces. That's uh. kind of a pain. But we do know that uh, this is an investment game and they're going to be providing you uh, DLC that you can pay like three bucks and get uh, some additional content uh, per, for a new scenario and everything. They've already announced another expansion, so this game's going to last a while. Five minute initiative is complete. So if you're Portal, how do you beat 2016? You come out in 2017 by announcing expansions. That's right, folks. Cry Havoc is getting an expansion, Aftermath. It includes five new skills and new structures for each of the factions that it was introduced in the original Cry Havoc. Or better yet, follow up 51st State Master Set with its own expansion, Scavengers. This is based on the original Ruins from 51st State. And of course, Stronghold, one of our favorite games, is going to have Undead in 2017, but we all knew that. But what else can you do? You can offer Alien Artifacts, a new 4 by card style game. More to come on that, but you know, 2017 for Portal, already starting off strong. Boy, we crammed a lot of stuff in this episode again, Tony. How are, we, how are we doing this? Is it because we have a clock running that's keeping us on schedule? Of course. That's the only way that will keep us, our attention, focused, our complete and total mind synced to what we want to do. And the fact that, well, Donna's in here tapping her watch behind me. <laughs> so so we, we find out the, the, the truth. So uh, thanks so much for Michael to coming on. Uh, we hope you guys will take the, the reviews that we gave you for both Mansions of Madness and Pandemic Cthulhu and, and uh, take it to heart because it's Halloween season. Maybe one of those will be something that you're very interested in if you want to take an hour to put the miniatures together in Mansions of Madness. Right, Tony? That's right. And I'll tell you what, I am so excited for next year's. I cannot wait for June to get here so that I can easily, easily have one of the best vacations ever. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that is exciting. I cannot wait to hear how that goes and, and see all the uh, pictures are going to be taken. And you're getting to hang out with Mike Fitzgerald. How cool is that? BGG Con, that's where you're going to be with him as well. So that'll be awesome. That's going to be uh, a lot of fun. And, and holy cow, with, with Essen uh, going on right now, actually, it's over. Uh, we're going to be getting tons of games that we're going to want to look at. Uh, it's a lot of heavier Euro stuff. This is where the really cool Euros come out. So, Tony, we are going to have to set aside some serious time to check out some of these games. I know. Just put it on the calendar along with everything else we got going on. We got to get a little, oh, I don't know, RPG going. Hopefully, Lord of the Rings will be coming in. We got to get that scheduled. And then we're going to have to, of course, who knows what else we can find. Maybe a little more tanks. I'm so looking forward to doing some tanks because guess what? Gale Force 9 is getting them back in the shop. We got word on that. If you like the light miniatures, that's the way to do it. Tanks is a great way to go. And then like we mentioned, you do have your two-player uh, box 
for Guild Ball. And we didn't mention this on the last show because we were just comparing individual teams, but actually War Machine also has a two-player box for 90 bucks that gives you two armies and everything that you need to play. So all those games have a great way to just get into the game, to dip your foot into it, to see if you're interested uh, about learning more about it. In fact, Tony, I was so excited about the miniatures. I actually got us a game from Warhammer uh, Universe from Games Workshop to try out called Gore Chosen. Uh, I saw you tweet that, so I'm excited to get that to the table as well. What's so cool? It's just a brawl. Two versus two brawls. You go in there, you fight each other, you try to beat the crap out of the other person, and if you do, you win. It's a quick game, but it's some really cool mechanics. I can't wait to try it out. Oh, I can't either. That's amazing. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. But as always, keep rolling dice and taking names. We love to talk to people about games, and if you want to talk to us, you can do so through Twitter at Dyson Names. On our Facebook page, Rolling Dice and Taking Names, you can join our BGG Guild. You can follow us on Instagram, Dyson Names, or you can email us at RollDiceTakeNames at gmail.com. In three, two, one. What do we call this? Box office? Hold on. Box office? Red box? Three, two, one. One. Oh my gosh, I'm having a brain fart. Three, two, one. This year we did our annual box office, red box, and trash box like we do every year. My gosh. Three, two, one. Three, two, one. As everybody who knows rolling dice and taking names knows that. I'm going to start that over. Yeah, because that sucked. Essen is over, which means the Air Mule service from Fun Again Games is over. But Tony, you know what? That doesn't matter because while they're over there, they're buying a bunch of games to bring back over here to put into their warehouse so that you can get the latest goodness from Essen. It's bad enough that there's all these games going to come out over here in the States. They're going to be hauling all that stuff back from Germany. Just go ahead. Why don't you secure us like two weekends straight of nothing but... 24 game 24 hour gaming that would be awesome i am so excited that would be so much fun we need to do that because yeah like i said all these are going to be some games we're probably going to spend some time with and and really dig into because they're going to be a little bit longer games so if everybody saw now has all these games they probably want to go check out make sure to go check out the pre-order program at fun again games because if you have your membership rewards with them the pre-orders are so much cheaper if you if you get it in before they actually come out because then the price will go back up so so if there's games you're interested in, go ahead and get out there, pre-order it, and reserve it because a lot of these will be selling out pretty quick too. And once again, that is funagain.com. Be sure to check them out and get your pre-orders in. Mm-hmm.